Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This week on the Chicago Bears Review, with the bye week behind them, our beloved now take on the final 10 games of the year, starting with a visit from the NFC North rival Minnesota Vikings at Soldier Field on Sunday. Can the Bears kick off the second half in style, or will the Vikings ruin the party? Chris Gates from SB Nation's Daily Norseman joins us on the Week 8 preview episode of the Chicago Bears Review. Now with the bye week over, we finally get to come back and do a preview episode as the Bears are back in action on Sunday against the Vikings. What's going on, everybody? Larry D. back for the week eight preview episode of the Chicago Bears review. And, uh, you know, it's it's good to be back in the in the swing of things. It was only a week. And, uh, you know, it, it's I was I was busy on Sunday. I really didn't watch much football. Uh, my mother came in from town, into town from Chicago, uh, to hang out for the weekend and you know kind of get away from the grind for a few days. And she kept me pretty busy uh, throughout the entire weekend. So uh, it was a perfect weekend for her to come in town because we didn't have to interrupt the weekend to watch the Bears game or anything like that. So perfect weekend was perfectly distracted from all the football uh, that was going on this week, but. Our beloved back on the field this Sunday against the Vikings at home in Soldier Field where the Bears have not lost to the Vikings since Adrian Peterson had that insane game against us his rookie year in 2007. So it's, uh, uh, you know, seven in a row the Bears have won uh, so far, looking to make it eight and uh, put a dent in that uh, four and two record that the Vikings have. And we'll have... uh, Chris Gates from the Daily Norseman of SB Nation, the Vikings page, uh, we'll have him on a little bit later on the show. I spoke with him last night, or if you are Chris, yesterday morning, uh, however you want to classify it, it was uh, 11 o'clock at night. There's a, he's over in Germany, if you got anyone who remembers when we spoke to Chris uh, over the summer uh, for the opponent preview shows. We had him on, and uh, the, I recorded that, that uh, show in the afternoon and uh, it was two o'clock in the afternoon here in the states. It was about eight or so. I don't know if they if they observe daylight savings out in in Germany because I believe it was a seven hour time difference when we spoke to him over the summer. It was only six uh, last night. So uh, you know, I spoke to him at eleven o'clock last night uh, here in in uh, in the Quad City area in in Illinois, and um, he is in Germany where it was five a.m. He, it was 5 a.m. So he got up at 5 o'clock in the morning uh, to do this uh, with us. So uh, much appreciated to, uh, to Chris uh, for, for taking the time. He, he gets up at – he has to work at 7, so he probably would have been up anyway, or so he says. You'll hear him say it. But, you know, still to be up and, and doing this at 5 in the morning was uh, pretty awesome of him to, to do that. So just want to thank him again. Uh, for doing that so our discussion about the bears and the vikings and how the vikings have been doing so far this year uh, a little bit later on uh, in in the show so you know the vikings coming into this season that uh you know the sexy pick uh if you will going into into the year uh that team that everyone's kind of picking you know to be that wild card team uh to get into the playoffs to be that team that finishes second behind green bay you know the the normal drop off from from detroit since they're so inconsistent from year to year you know they have it's been a very long time probably since the 90s at some point uh i think 93 94 94 95 since the lions have done back-to-back uh playoff seasons and you know obviously with a 
with a one in six record now because they lost this past weekend. Uh, one in six record for the Lions. Obviously, they're well on their way to not making it back to the playoffs again. Um, you know, the Bears being in that transition year, not really having, you know, as much talent as, as some experts would have liked to try to make them that that surprise pick. Uh, the Vikings kind of became that team uh, by default or at least default as far as finishing second in the division. Uh, you know, year two under Mike Zimmer, year two with Teddy Bridgewater, uh, big expectations uh, for them. And six games into the season, uh, they are four and two and. You know, they trail the uh, Packers uh, in the division, but they've yet to play each other yet. So those two back matchups between the Packers and the Vikings have uh, still yet to come uh, this year. So some questions as far as uh, whether the Vikings are going to be able to make a case for the NFC North uh, in a head to head battles with the Packers. Uh, those questions are yet to be answered, but they got to get through our beloved Chicago Bears this Sunday in a stadium that they haven't won in since 2007. So. You know, like it or not, folks, at two and four, uh, you know, even though the Vikings are the better team on paper, this is a very winnable game. This absolutely is a winnable game uh, for the Bears. The uh, The Vikings are good, but they're not infallible. They're not indestructible. They've been beaten before and they can be beaten again. I mean, hell, if they can lose to the 49ers uh, like they did week one, uh, we can beat them. <laughs> we can definitely do it. Uh, the Bears, um, you know, the Vikings uh, have both have lost their have lost both their games on the road at San Francisco at Denver. Uh, the more of uh, you know valid loss, if you will, a tough battle that they had with Denver, a twenty-three to twenty game uh, in that one. But as you hear Chris mention, uh, you know, a little bit later on, we were talking. Um, Bridgewater was sacked seven times in that game, and that's pretty much what won the game for Denver. Was the constant pressure? Was getting after? Um, Teddy Bridgewater from time to time or you know throughout the game seven sacks in that football game and uh, you know Pernell McPhee uh, he's been a beast for so far if he can really have you know a uh, good game uh, against the, uh, the the Vikings and I think that they're ripe for the picking especially on that right side of the offensive line where Phil Lowhold used to be uh, he got hurt with an Achilles injury in the preseason and they've got their fourth round rookie draft pick TJ Clemens uh, out there on the right side he could be ripe for the picking uh, against a uh, you know a, a relentless pass rusher uh, like McPhee so that could be a good matchup uh, for the Bears on that side of the football Adrian Peterson has been back this year who's had flashes of you know the old school AP that was you know running like a maniac and such but like Matt Forte kind of getting up there uh, in years and the last couple of weeks um, has been bottled up by the uh, by his opponents uh, against the uh, the Lions last week and then the week before uh, against the Kansas City Chiefs. He has not uh, not done much on the ground in the last couple of weeks. So it uh, is definitely possible that if the Bears can return to the form that they had against Oakland and Kansas City, where they were solid, uh, uh, you know, against the run, they were staunch in, in, in pass rush and getting after the quarterback, or even in, in the Seattle game, uh, you know, the way they were getting after Russell Wilson with the four sacks in that game. If we can get something like that going on defense and then the offense being healthy again, I mean, we've got some questions to answer uh, on offense, and we'll just dive right into – uh, what I find to be the most promising thing uh, going into this week is that uh, going into the Detroit game, we had 14, 14 names on the injury list going into that Detroit game. Coming into this Vikings game as of Thursday, there are seven names on the list, just seven. And um, looking at the injury list, um, we might be shaking up the offensive line again. Um, Gerard Bush, uh, Jermon Bushrod has been uh, limited in practice on Wednesday and Thursday with that shoulder injury. He's cleared the concussion protocol, so he's good to go as far as that is concerned. But he's been limited with that shoulder injury. That's been bugging him. Um, Hironis Grasu, who started the last uh, couple of games at center for us, has, uh, I guess, a lingering neck injury. I'm, I'm not sure if that happened in Detroit or what the case may be there. But he was limited on Wednesday, did not practice today. So maybe we're looking back at uh, Slauson sliding over to center again, uh, as they did in the, uh, the, 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 the better portion of the 
uh, Raider game, uh, week number four, and um, who would play in uh, Slauson's spot? Well, Patrick Omeme, who who subbed in for him uh, in that game when Slauson moved to the inside, uh, has been limited with the ankle injury that's been bugging him. That took him that you know forced him to miss the Kansas City game, uh, the Kansas City and Detroit games. Um, you know he is uh, he's practicing at least as is Antro Roll, uh, who's been limited with the ankle injury. Um, not a lot of uh, word on whether or not they are going to be playing, but they're at least they're practicing. Uh, they weren't practicing before. Uh, one person who isn't practicing has been uh, Shay McClellan, uh, still nursing the injury. Did not practice on Wednesday or Thursday this week, and Matt Slauson also with a knee slash shoulder. Uh, injury listed on the injury report has been limited on Wednesday and Thursday. So we've got some questions as to who is going to be taking the field uh, blocking for Cutler and Forte uh, and company. But I'll tell you whose name is not on this list. Two people in particular, Eddie Royal, Alshon Jeffrey, healthy, and also Marquise Wilson, our top three receivers not on the injury list. So that bye week that mentally you heard me guys hear me say it and we mentioned it when we had our talk with Jeff Dickerson mentally probably not the best time for the team to have a week off but physically couldn't imagine a better time with the way that this team uh was banged up you know we got to we got to skip a week of not having Antro roll out on the field we still might be a game or so away from having roll back out on the field but at least he's practicing uh, again, same thing with Patrick Omeme and, you know, maybe possibly needing him uh, this coming Sunday. So hopefully uh, some of these injuries that are limiting the practice schedule is, uh, you know, just something that the, the Bears are being cautious with so as to uh, get these guys as close to 100 percent as possible going into the game uh, on Sunday. On the Viking side of things, uh, the most interesting thing here is uh, Adrian Peterson hasn't practiced yet this week listed with a hip slash finger slash ankle. Uh, so he's dealing with a couple of uh, little nagging injuries. Uh, Sharif Floyd, the former first-round pick at defensive tackle, has not practiced with knee and ankle injuries uh, so far uh, this week. Jarius Wright, the wide receiver, has been uh, was did not practice Wednesday with concussion, uh, but I guess he was cleared because he practiced full go uh, on Thursday. So, you know, those are, those are the, some of the interesting uh, injuries uh, on the uh, on the Viking side, so Peterson a little banged up. I'm sure he'll play on Sunday, but how effective will he be if he has if you know if he's dealing with an ankle injury that's kind of been uh, nagging him? But you know, like I said on our injury report, no Alshon Jeffrey, no Marquise Wilson, no Eddie Royal. We seem to be good to go. Finally, having a healthy trio of receivers going into this game uh, on on Sunday against the Vikings. You know, I, I think we had all three for Detroit, but were they healthy against Detroit? You know, this might actually be the first time all year, all year that our wide receivers are healthy and playing, you know, because I think even though Jeffrey played against Green Bay, he was still banged up from the hamstring injury or the calf injury that kept him out in the preseason uh, and, and everything else. So, I mean, everybody, uh, Marquise Wilson missed half the preseason with an injury. Same thing with Eddie Royal. They were all banged up. But here we are going into the eighth, se seventh game of the season, week number eight for the Bears. And we're finally with our first game that we've got three healthy starting wide receivers out there so game so guys like bellamy and and meredith and and um mariani and company uh can come off the bench and you know help us out when we want to spread things out but we've got our top three guys out there when we're running our regular sets uh and such so i'm looking forward to seeing what this group can do when it's healthy hopefully the offensive line will be uh as close to healthy as as the rest of the offensive unit uh appears to be so uh, just a couple of uh, other little notes that I want to get to before we move on to our talk uh, with Chris is um, trade deadline is coming up. And there have been a lot of talk, a lot of rumors about, you know, Ryan Pace and John Fox and company um, still looking forward to 2016 uh, and beyond and, and entertaining the idea of of possibly trading away some of our biggest assets, some of the people that are helping the team maintain so far, you know, that they're helping uh, improve uh, and so on. And, uh, you know, 
the the rumors are interesting. I mean, there are rumors that we've kind of been hearing for a while. Um, possible uh, trades out there. Uh, you know, Matt Forte is the biggest name that that people are talking about. Would the Bears trade away uh, Forte? Uh, he's he's uh, if he if he isn't thirty, he's turning thirty soon. He's in the final year of his contract. Granted, he's as productive now as he's ever been, but that that wall that running backs tend to hit when they turn 30 uh, is coming. He's running dead long right into it. And, uh, you know, how many more real productive years does Matt Forte have? And, you know, might the Bears be able to to bait an, a, a nice draft choice out of a contender, say a team like uh, a Denver or a, um, I think, Dallas, uh, who, you know, who is going to is, is slowly but surely kind of getting back to full strength as far as you know Romo is going to be coming back Des Bryant is practicing now and nobody is running away with the NFC East so the Cowboys even though they've been suffering the last few weeks without Romo and and Bryant and such if they got a Matt Forte in there they could probably hold things at bay till Romo comes back and make a run at this thing uh, in the second half. Uh, of the season and Forte uh, would be a nice addition to the Cowboys same thing for the uh, for the Broncos you know Peyton Manning had some of his best years in Indianapolis when he had you know Edger and James in the backfield you know who did like to catch passes uh, out of the backfield and you know obviously was also a very stout uh, running back as well you know Peyton Manning and Matt Forte uh, in a Denver Bronco uh, uniform that would be a, f- a formidable uh, combination there because Forte can do a lot of things so you know interesting trades and I- I've been hearing you know possibly maybe getting a third rounder uh, for Forte which I guess is high currency in the NFL doesn't sound like much to me uh, to be honest with you I would think we just try to get at least a you know maybe reach for a second second rounder but settle for a third kind of thing it was uh you know they were saying like reach for a third and settle for a fourth and i just think fourth round pick is a little low for forte but that's just me um the other uh discussion was possibly uh martellus bennett going to the atlanta falcons who are desperately in need of a tight end especially since uh tony gonzalez retired a year or two ago and uh you know, interesting to see if, if the Bears would entertain something like that. I would hope not uh, as much of a, a menace as uh, Bennett can be, uh, you know, off the field, on the field. He is one of the better tight ends in the league and the only middle of the field passing threat that the Bears have. I would hate for them to let him go. I don't I don't want to see that trade happen at all. And I saw a crazy one where uh, the Bears would trade Jay Cutler to the Houston Texans, um, you know, and basically it would be beneficial to the Texans because they've never had a quarterback like ever. I mean, even at on on be- Matt Schaub's best day when he was down there, they were still, you know, pretty mediocre uh, quarterback. You get sent, you send Jay Cutler down there. Now they've solidified the position, especially from where it was, to, you know, to bring it to a Jay Cutler, and he's got a, you know. A, uh, Hopkins, the receiver down there to throw the football to, uh, you know, and, and kind of mix things up uh, for them. Uh, you know, definitely have a, a more dynamic arm and more talent at the quarterback position, who also in the same position as the kind of like the Cowboys, no one is running away with the AFC South this year. It is the worst division in football. And even at this point with the Texans at, uh, I think, two and five is where Houston is. Right now, they're only like a game and a half behind the Colts uh, at the moment who are in first place at like four and three or three and three or whatever they might be uh, at this point. No one in that division is running away with it yet. There's still plenty of time left in the season. I guess on paper it makes sense, but for the Bears to trade away Cutler for a draft pick, um, you know, and then hand the reins over to Jimmy Clausen. <laughs> It could be 2014 all over again as far as, like, I cannot wait for this season to be over with if that were to happen. So as nutty a trade as that sounds, I hope it does not 
happen. Uh, <laughs> I don't, I don't want to see that happen. The Bears cannot trade Jay Cutler in the middle of the season. You know, let him go when you have an off season to either draft or sign a, a new quarterback to take over the to take over the team when he has the time, instead of just handing it over to Jimmy Clausen, who was absolutely terrible against Arizona and Seattle this year. So, please God, let's not let that happen. And now one ray of hope and optimism going into the off season because so many Bear fans looking forward to 2016 because of the way the things are going so far. Um, possible destination for one of the biggest free agent um, free agency pickups in the league this year, Von Miller, who played for you guessed it, John Fox in Denver. As a matter of fact, he was John Fox's very first draft choice as head coach of the Denver Broncos and you know had four really great years with Von Miller he's a pro bowler he's a pass rusher uh, pass rushing specialist who you know was in a 3-4 uh, in that Denver defense has been outstanding for them who is still in love with John Fox and would probably see Chicago on a, at the very at the top of a very short list as far as his destinations for the future and could you imagine Von Miller on one side, Pernell McPhee on the other. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm drooling just thinking about it. So, you know, I did read the article uh, this week talking about how much he, he loves John Fox, how much he loved playing for him, how much, uh, you know, how much fun he had playing for him. He's a man's man, a coach's coach, you know, uh, you know a, a player's coach kind of thing. And, uh, you know, so it doesn't sound like uh, Von Miller would hate it too much to be reunited with his old head coach in Chicago, and I certainly would not hate that myself. So to have a, a Von Miller-McPhee combination coming off the edges, brushing the passer, um, that could be catastrophic for some offenses uh, in 2016, especially since the two weakest divisions in the NFL this year, the NFC East and the AFC South, or who we have on deck in 2016. You have those two get after those teams, uh, the Bears could coast through the schedule next year so let's just knock on wood and hope that this is a uh, you know a kind of view into the crystal ball uh in free agency who the bears are going to have like 60 million in cap space going into next year definitely have enough in the purse to uh to please a guy like miller and you know entice him to come uh to chicago uh, for 2016 and beyond that would be pretty sweet so let's hope that that happens that ryan pace and john foss can convince von miller that chicago is in his future so i think that's all i have uh, for news and notes uh for for this week the injury report is cut in half there are some very important names not on the list and looking forward to seeing what our wide receiving core looks like healthy and 100 percent when we play the Vikings on Sunday. So what do you say we go ahead and dive right into our discussion with Christopher Gates from SB Nation's Daily Norseman talking about Bears and Vikings week number eight. As we get ready for week number eight, going into the first matchup of the year between our beloved Chicago Bears and the Minnesota Vikings, we welcome Chris Gates from the Daily Norseman on SB Nation back to the show. We had him on earlier uh, this summer to preview uh, the to preview the season for the up for the Vikings. And uh, Chris, welcome back to the show. And I want to thank you for getting up early. It is five a.m. in Germany, and you're doing this. Uh, with us tonight so thanks so much for uh, for coming back uh, not a problem larry happy to be here happy to uh, to do the show once again well you know i'm i'm looking forward uh to this game on sunday for a few reasons um number one because i'm really anxious to see the bears how they're going to respond after that loss to detroit uh before uh the bye week the Vikings, aside from, you know, that brutal first three games that we had this year, are the best team that we've played since Green Bay, Arizona, and Seattle. And I want to see how they're going to respond to that. And I'm also looking forward to it because the Vikings haven't won in Chicago since 2007, and I'm hoping that that is a trend uh, that continues. So um, my first question for you, Chris, is the Vikings are 4-2 and two so far uh, this year. There are two losses 
uh, coming in the the week one game against San Francisco, and then a few weeks later um, at Denver, a, a very close game there. But I got to ask you, week one against San Francisco, the twenty to three loss. Pretty much, they never really got started in that game. Was was that a depressing game, considering all like the hype and the hope, the the Vikings being like that sexy playoff pick going into the season, and to have them not show up against San Francisco the way they did week one? It really is, and you know, with all due respect to any 49ers fans that might have stumbled upon the podcast here, uh, the further we get into the season, the the worse that loss looks because oh, yeah. you know, the, the Niners have looked terrible for the most part since that week one game. I know they got another victory uh, over the last few weeks. I can't remember who they beat, but yeah, the, the Niners have not been a good team, and the Vikings over the last couple of weeks have actually played some pretty good football for the most part. And so, yeah, I mean, we expected a whole lot more uh, for that week one game. I mean, I, I think a lot of fans expected the Vikings just kind of go into uh, San Francisco and sort of roll the 49ers. And, you know, for them to lose, not, not just lose, but lose the way they did was really pretty disheartening but you know they they bounced back from it fairly well after that so you know it's just one of those things you have to look at and chalk up to one of those sort of any given Sunday things in the National Football League because that's really sort of what happened yeah you know week one you know I've I don't play fantasy football because it just drives me nuts but um, I've always done a a pick'em game uh, each week and um, for my for my money, the toughest weeks to pick, and there are three. There's there's week 17 because you don't know what you're going to get from anybody. Week 17, playoff teams arresting players who's you know trying to get that you know draft pick, who's playing for free agency money, that kind of thing. Uh, week number two, and obviously week number one, just because you know week number two is tough because week number you know what you see week one almost never translates over into week two somebody plays their plays their hearts out week one and then doesn't show up uh for week two um you know so it really was kind of surprising to see minnesota come out and lose that game to san francisco because i play confidence games and i picked minnesota to win that game and i think i went heavy on minnesota like 15 points out of 16 that's how confident i was that they were going to win that game uh, against the 49ers and I'm sure you weren't alone in that boat. I mean, because, you know, like you said, the, the Niners had their off season where like someone retired every two or three days and <laughs> Jim Harbaugh went to Michigan and, you know, they, they just had all this, this turmoil and chaos and turnover during the preseason. And, you know, everyone expected them to be, you know, not a great football team by any stretch. And for the most part this season, they haven't been, but they have right. really good in week one and, you know, the Vikings just happened to uh, to fall victim to that, unfortunately. So they, they've been 4-1 and one since then. Their only loss coming to an undefeated team in the, in the Denver Broncos. Uh, they played some tight games. They've swept the Lions, um, which, you know, according to their record, isn't the greatest thing, you know, greatest accomplishment so far. But does, do they look like a playoff team? I mean, they're, they're kind of the, they're the second-best team in the division by default just because Chicago and Detroit really aren't anything to get excited about right now. They're 4-2 and two just behind the, the, the Packers. Do they look like a playoff team, or are they, are, are they the victims of a pretty soft schedule for the most part going in? Well, defensively, they definitely look like a playoff team because you know okay. they're they're second in the NFL in points allowed per game. I believe the figure right now is at sixteen point eight uh, points per game allowed over the first six games. And you know you you can only play who the the schedule makers put in front of you. I know they've gotten a couple of games against Detroit, who's not great. Uh, Kansas City's not very good. Um, San Diego, for whatever reason, has been much worse than projected. But, right. uh, you know, like, like we talked about, you know, the, the Niners are not a very good football team, but the Vikings managed to find a way to lose to them. So, <laughs> you know, it, it, it it's just a matter of, you know, the, that's the way the Vikings schedule has gone so far. Uh, like I said, defensively, they look like an outstanding football team. And they've had their issues on offense, uh, mostly having to do with uh, not being able to convert once they get into the red zone. But, you know, if the uh, the offense started clicking in Detroit on Sunday. 
And if the uh, the offense can catch up to the same level as the uh, the defense has been at, uh, this is definitely a team that's going to, at the very least, be fighting for a, a playoff spot until the very end of the season. So that was going to be my next question because one of the one of the things that people were look were most looking forward to uh, with this team was was the defense. You know, was the defense as imposing on the field uh, in these first six games as they appeared to be on paper going into the season? And and they have been for the most part. I mean, they had uh, the game against Kansas City where uh, they sat Everson Griffin at the last minute. Uh, last week against Detroit, Sharif Floyd didn't play, and doesn't it doesn't look like he's going to play for at least a couple more weeks yet. He's walking around in a uh, walking boot. But, uh, you know, they have a lot of young, and exciting players on defense, guys like Anthony Barr and Harrison Smith and uh, Eric Kendricks, who's really gotten into the uh, swing of things since being installed as the uh, starting middle linebacker. But yeah, now that they're in the uh, the second year of being under uh, Mike Zimmer's type of defense, they've gotten the uh, hang of what's going on. And yeah, they've been outstanding on defense. And if they can keep that up, uh, they're going to be at the very least, in every game this year, if not uh, winning more frequently than they lose. So how has Teddy Bridgewater looked in year number two? This is his first full season as a starter. I mean, granted, he played like, what, 13 games uh, last year, somewhere in that area. So, uh, I mean, he's played most of the year as the starter, but how has he been since the day one starter in year number two? Uh, He's been... Fairly solid. I mean, he's completing a decent percentage of his passes. Uh, like the rest of the Vikings, he's not converting a lot of those opportunities into touchdowns. But, you know, he he's not making a lot of bad decisions. Uh, he's actually stood up pretty well to the uh, the offensive line uh, not being great. And, uh, yeah, if, if he can start converting some more of these opportunities into touchdowns rather than having to settle for field goals, uh, it would be significantly better for the uh, the Vikings offensively but you know he he's looked pretty good so far uh, for a young quarterback he you know doesn't panic he doesn't make a lot of you know throws that have you scratching your head and wonder what's going on uh, he looked very good in the uh, the one loss to Denver uh, considering the lever the level that the uh, Denver defense is playing at this year and you know it as he continues to grow and mature and develop, he's going to be a, a a very solid quarterback for this team going forward, I believe. So where's the disconnect on offense when they get into the red zone? Because that's been the problem for the Bears, actually, is that they they are monsters from the 20 to the 20, but once they get to the 20, getting into the end zone has been you know an extreme difficulty uh, for them. So the issues with the Bears is is more that for some reason – they do a good job running from 20 to 20, but when they get into the red zone, all of a sudden they want to throw the ball. Is that is that similar to what's been going on with Minnesota and how they approach the red zone? I, I think a lot of it has to do with offensive line issues. And, mm. you know, the, the Vikings, you know, the Bears have a guy like uh, Alshon Jeffrey who's just way bigger and way more athletic than, than everybody else. When it gets into the red zone, you just kind of toss it up and see if he can catch it. The Vikings really don't have that big... Uh, intimidating outside threat that uh, that can do that and get open in the uh, the red zone. They have a lot of smaller type of uh, receivers that, you know, they have guys that run decent routes and have the ability to get open, but once that field gets compressed a little bit, once you get inside the 20-yard line, a lot of that is negated. Um, for some reason, Kyle Rudolph is not as big a factor as he probably should be in these situations, and I'm not really sure what the uh what the genesis behind that is because you know he's big he's got a huge catch radius but you know i think a lot of it goes back to the offensive line and you know against detroit uh we had bridgewater take a couple sacks in uh in third down situations in the red zone and that's obviously something you can't uh, allow to happen on a regular basis but i think it goes back to the offensive line as far as uh, bad red zone execution is concerned more than anything. So speaking of the offensive line, how is Matt uh, Matt Khalil uh, doing? Because um, was it was it last year that he was having the issues with his knees, or was last year the year after he had the problems with his knees? I, I forget. 
He was having knee issues apparently in both 2013 and 2014. And okay. had uh, some kind of procedure done on them this year. I think it has something to do with uh, like blood platelets being replaced or something like that. Or wow. something along those lines. And he said he felt better than he has in years going into this season. And, you know, with the, uh, with the losses of John Sullivan and Phil Lodeholt and some of the issues the Vikings have had along the offensive line, uh, Khalil's actually been the one guy that, you know, people really haven't had to worry about. I mean, he's faced a lot of uh, top-level pass rushes over the first few games of the season, and he's held up relatively well. So, you know, he was the biggest concern along the offensive line for most folks uh, going into the season. And, you know, with the way things have gone for the offensive line this year, he's almost the one guy that you really don't have to worry about uh, among that front five so far, which has been a, uh, a pleasant surprise. So refresh my memory. Phil Lodeholt went down when? Uh, he went down the second game of the preseason with a torn Achilles, uh, and the Vikings had to plug uh, rookie uh, T.J. Clemmings into the right tackle spot in his place. So, yeah, Lodeholt got to play one preseason game, and you know the the second preseason game at TCF Bank Stadium. I think it was on the second or third play of the game. He uh, he tore his Achilles and. Yeah, he's uh, he was done for the season at that point. Yeah, I, I knew it was early. I just didn't know if he had actually made it into the season yet. So how has T.J. Clemens been taking some rookie lumps so far? He, he's definitely uh, having to make the adjustment. I mean, everyone conceded that he was a steal uh, for the Vikings on draft day, uh, but that right. came with the caveat that uh, you know he was expected as a rookie to uh, – kind of sit out and at the very least caddy for Phil Lodeholt over the uh, over his first season in the NFL. And you know, with the Lodeholt injury, he got thrown into the fire pretty much immediately. And he, he has steadily improved over the last few weeks, but you know, the sort of thing you'd expect from a, a rookie that has all the physical talent, but you know, he'd only been a uh, an offensive lineman for two years. Uh, he started out at college at Pitt as a uh, defensive end actually and they moved him to offensive tackle so you know he's still learning quite a bit but you know he's been uh, he's been he's been probably a little bit better than expected so far but you know he's still got plenty of adjustments to make and plenty of uh, plenty of growth to make so it's year two of, of Mike Zimmer um, you know the Vikings seem to get stronger as the year went along last year got off to a slow start kind of finished strong going into into the offseason very much what I hope to see the Bears do this year we kind of started out weak we were victims of a brutal schedule in the first half and we seem to have a pretty soft schedule barring that visit to Minnesota week number 15 but we have like the last five games I see four victories out of five uh, except for that visit to Minnesota um, you know you, you finish strong going into the into the offseason um, how has year number two under Zimmer been are like are you seeing steady improvement from the team like you were going into the end of last season i think we definitely are and like i said we got to keep going back to the uh, the defense as far as the biggest improvements go because you know that that's been zimmer's calling card he was a defensive coordinator uh, for numerous years in the national football league both in dallas and in uh, cincinnati and you know the uh, the defense uh, zimmer has a particular way he wants his defense to work wants uh yeah he wants his cornerbacks to play a particular way he wants the the defensive ends to do a particular thing and you know now that the players have gotten uh, into the scheme a little bit uh you know we see guys like captain munerlin who was a uh was kind of a disaster in 2014 and after the season basically came out and said you know i, I freelanced a little bit more than i probably should have uh, last season, and you know, that's why I didn't have the year uh, I was expected to. And this year, he's basically uh, gotten into the scheme, and he's had a, a bit of a renaissance this season as a result. But, you know, uh, offensively, I mean, we've seen guys, we've seen Bridgewater uh, develop a little bit, and guys like uh, Stefan Diggs kind of come out of nowhere, which has been a, a pleasant surprise. But, you know, th this team has gotten... Uh, better under Zimmer and you know the team is still very very young for the most part and so I would expect that trend uh, 
uh, to continue going forward. So one of the weaknesses for the Bears um, so far this year has been special teams. Uh, more, more, more importantly, our, our kicking game uh, and to be, or our return game. Uh, actually, however you want to put it, our our kick defense, if you will. We gave up uh, two kickoff returns for touchdowns in week two and week three. That was, you know, would have made three in a row uh, against Green Bay, but we actually managed to tackle that guy. Um, you know, it's to the point where we felt the need in week number four against Oakland to pooch every kickoff to save ourselves from kicking deep and getting it run back. Uh, on us how has Minnesota been uh, on on special teams is that something we need to worry about on Sunday uh, not as long as Cordero Patterson uh, is of the impression that uh, I'll, I'll be honest I have no idea what's happened with Cordero Patterson um, yeah you know, the, the, his first year in the league he was the, the best kick returner in the league by far uh, right. he was averaging like 30 or 35 yards return and he had the two long touchdowns including uh, one against Chicago at Soldier Field. And, right. you know, last year and into this season, uh, he hasn't developed as a receiver, and he's not even really very good as a kick returner anymore. And, you know, we're, we're everyone's just perplexed as to exactly why this has happened. I mean, uh, there was word coming out that this offseason he was working out and getting himself into shape again. And, you know, as far as receiving goes, he's been – passed by everyone on the uh, the depth chart he's basically the number six receiver at this point but uh you know that the special teams have been okay for minnesota uh blair walsh had a bit of a disastrous preseason but he's hit i believe his last 10 uh field goal attempts in a row uh he did manage to miss an extra point against detroit with the new uh 33 point or 33 yard extra point rule but uh, he has hit his last 10 field goals. He's had a couple of those that were over 50 yards. Uh, Jeff Locke has been a very good uh, punter this season after being among the worst in the league last year. Uh, so, you know, the special teams have been pretty good for Minnesota, but I don't think the uh, the kick return game is going to be as big a concern for Chicago as it probably should be, uh, given the fact that Cordero Patterson has just completely fallen off the face of the earth at this point it's disappointing to see it happen that way for someone to come in so you know just come from out of nowhere they had kind of had high expectations for him coming in and his rookie year as far as being special and, and being dynamic and, and doing big things he lived up to those expectations only to as you say disappear these last uh, two seasons and uh, you know it's disappointing especially with the guy being a first round pick yeah, and given that the Vikings gave up a lot of draft picks to move back into the first round and get him, uh, right. the, uh, yeah, in 2013, particularly the second half of the year, uh, he was catching passes, he was taking handoffs and tosses out of the backfield and scoring touchdowns, and you know even the 2014 season opener in St. Louis, he uh, had a long touchdown run, and you know after that. He's, he's basically been invisible, which is both uh, kind of distressing and kind of surprising at the same time. So is it like, you know, the kid just believe in his own hype? Did something happen off the field? Is there an injury that, that hasn't been talked about much? What do, you, what do you think has been going on there? There hasn't been any injury that we've gotten or that we've seen any word of, and it's weird. Uh, apparently, Mike Zimmer uh, lined up I, and it was kind of a running gag for the offseason for us. They had a uh, mysterious uh, veteran mentor-type wide receiver that apparently Zimmer had worked with in the past that uh, was supposed to work with Cordero Patterson, and Mike Zimmer arranged all this and whatever. And Patterson kind of basically blew it off and oh, didn't wow. work out with whoever this receiver was. And they never did say who the guy was, so nobody knows at this point. But, you know, there were stories about him working with this trainer and getting into physical shape. But, you know, the physical part of it, as far as I can tell, has never been the issue with Cordero Patterson. I mean, when he was at Tennessee, you know, he he had the reputation that he had all the athletic ability in the world. But, you know, he wasn't refined as a route runner. He's still not refined as a route runner. And that's probably his biggest issue. And so the fact that 
he had an opportunity to work with uh, somebody who uh, the, the head coach went out of his way to line up and be able to spend time with and work with him. And he just decided that it was in his best interest not to do that is really, really a mystery for, you know, a guy who really had a lot to prove going into this season. And like I said, he's been passed on the depth chart by guys like Adam Thielen, uh, Stefan Diggs. Uh, I'd say Charles Johnson, but Charles Johnson has had some injury issues as well. But uh, yeah, the the Vikings have six receivers on the uh, roster right now. And it's pretty clear right now that he's the number six guy. Wow. Um, so, uh, so I have to ask about Adrian, uh, Peterson, um, you know, this is his, you know, his, the game against San Francisco was his first game action since like almost a year to the day, if I'm not mistaken, against the, uh, 49ers, his first, uh, game. How, how has he been so far, uh, this season? I know he's shown flashes, but is he the old AP or is he showing the fact that he's going to be turning 30 soon or how's he, how's he been so far? Uh, he he had a couple of really good games against San Diego and against uh, Detroit the first time. Uh, the last two weeks, uh, I believe I read somewhere, and I'd have to sit down and do the numbers again, uh, he had a big 75-yard uh, run in the second half against Detroit on Sunday. But if you take away that 75-yard run over the last two weeks against two defenses that really are not very good, uh, he's averaging something like 1.9 yards a carry. Because uh, Kansas Kansas City kept him under wraps. I believe he had 60 yards on about 23 carries against the Chiefs. And, you know, like I said, you take away the big 75-yard run against Detroit, and I don't think he had 25 yards on the rest of his carries combined. Uh, I'm not sure what it is. I mean, he's had a, he's had a couple of minor issues. Uh, I think he sat out uh, practice with like a finger injury or something like that, but not the not the sort of thing that you would really expect to keep him from uh, putting up yardage or anything like that. But you know he he's had a couple of good games, and over the last couple of weeks he's uh, been pretty well kept under wraps. And you know I, I don't know if that's more of a function of the offensive line, if the uh, opposing defenses are just loading up and focusing entirely on him and abandoning everything else, but. You know, he, he has not been good the last couple of weeks, and it's going to be uh, interesting to see if he kind of recaptures that going forward. All right, so as we start to wrap things up here, uh, Chris, if, if, uh, if I'm John Fox and I'm trying to put a game plan together for this week, how do I beat the Minnesota Vikings? Uh, well, you have to be... Pretty pretty much turnover free uh, on offense, I think, because you know the the Vikings defense has not given up a lot of points. Uh, I believe they've in six games they've given up more than twenty points uh, one time so far. Um, so yeah, you have to be pretty much turnover free offensively. Uh, you need to keep the uh, Vikings offense off the field. Um, as far as what the uh, the Bears' defense needs to do, um, obviously the Vikings are probably going to try to run the offense through Adrian Peterson just because that's the, the way they're built at this point. Right. And you know, if, if you can get if you can keep the Vikings kind of behind schedule, uh, keep them in second long, third and long, uh, then you can bring the uh, the extra pressure on second and third downs. And you know, with the offensive line issues this team has had. Uh, that's going to be probably the best way to uh, to slow them down and keep them off the scoreboard as well. So, so how is that? How the the Broncos did it? Were were they able to force turnovers against the the Vikings? Because, like you, the further we get away from that forty nine er game, the less I want to pay credence to it. That's just being the week one fluke uh, type thing, you know. So the one game that the one significant game they've lost this year was at, at Denver, which is a difficult place to play. No matter what, so you know, is that what the Broncos were able to do? Did, did they? Because I know that they won the game, forcing a sack fumble on on Bridgewater at the end. But what was it from you know up until that moment that put the Broncos in front of them? And, and that was the seventh sack of the afternoon uh, ah. for the Broncos. That, okay. So that was that was the biggest thing. They just kept 
uh, hammering Teddy Bridgewater. He was under siege basically uh, all afternoon. Uh, the Vikings did get two uh, big interceptions, uh, one uh, one by Anthony Barr right before the half that he was able to return and get close enough to the end zone where the Vikings converted that uh, into a touchdown. Uh, seven of the Broncos' points came on a, a 72-yard run uh, by Ronnie Hillman. So, you know, they, they fell victim to the big play in that game. But, uh, you know, defensively, it had a lot more to do with uh, with Teddy Bridgewater constantly getting hammered by the uh, Denver defense because, you know, yardage-wise, he put up, I, I think he put up more yards than anybody has against Denver so far this season. Uh, you know, given the uh, the secondary that Denver has, he actually had a really good game against them. But, you know, with all the, uh, the pressure and all the hits and whatever he took, it eventually just... Uh, Took its toll, and like I said, that uh, that final sack of the game where Bridgewater and the Broncos recovered to seal it, that was uh, number seven on the afternoon. So, you know, guy gets sacked seven times and gets hit a bunch of other times. It's going to be harder to uh, harder to win football games. Right, right. So we got uh, ten games left in the in the season. You got two against the Bears. You have. Two against the Packers because we're done with uh, with the Lions. You know, looking at the schedule, how do you see the how do you see it kind of going from here? So starting with four and two, what what kind of record do you think you see for the Vikings finishing out? I think, and I'm not sure how exactly they're going to do it or who they're going to beat to get there, but I think this team is somehow going to find a way to get to ten and six, and I think that ten and six is going to be uh, good enough for them to get into the uh, postseason. I mean, they're they're probably not going to catch Green Bay unless Green Bay manages to. Uh, they've got a Green Bay's got a couple of tough games the next couple of weeks at Denver and at Carolina. Right. So uh, if they should happen to stumble there a little bit, the uh, the Vikings can get into the divisional race. But I think at this point they're more or less playing for a wild card spot. And given the way the the Falcons and the Panthers have played this year in the AFC or in the NFC South, um, there's probably one available playoff spot in the nfc at this point is going to come down to teams like minnesota uh, seattle and uh, maybe one or two other teams but at, at this point i think the vikings are going to find a way to get to 10 and 6 and if they get to 10 and 6 i think they're going to uh to snag that second wild card spot all right and um you know again chris Thanks so much for doing this. It's uh, 11 p.m., 11:30 here uh, in the in the Midwest. It is 5:30 in Germany. So I just again thanks for because uh, I know you're you're an early bird as far as work is concerned. But I appreciate you you getting up and uh, hopefully we can figure something else uh, out. Maybe you'll be states. Are you coming stateside for the holidays? Is that going to happen for you? Uh, unfortunately, probably not. But uh, the next time these the next time these two teams get together, it's going to be kind of closer to the holiday season. So uh, hopefully we can uh, hopefully things will work out a little more uh, efficiently, <laughs> a little more efficiently next time. And right. not, not that this is like that bad, because like you said, I was probably going to be up anyway. But right. you know, yeah, it, it's uh, yeah, it, it's it's really not a problem. I enjoy doing the show, so you know, it, it's worth getting out of bed a little earlier for this. Well, we appreciate that, and we appreciate you doing doing the show with us uh, this evening slash uh, this morning. Looking forward to the game uh, on Sunday, and uh, good luck to you guys, and uh, we'll talk to you before week 15. All right. Well, thank you very much for having me on, Larry. I appreciate it. My pleasure, Chris. Chris Gates from the Daily Norseman on SB Nation talking Bears-Vikings week number eight. Now, being a natural-born night owl, be, doing that interview for me uh, was no skin off my teeth. But uh, you know, again, I have to thank Chris for uh, for getting up before the sun to uh, talk about the Bears and Vikings all the way from Deutschland, where he is serving in our military uh, over in Germany. So, thanks to him, thanks to the troops, and uh, you know, thank you uh, for listening to the show and giving me a reason to get in touch with guys like Chris. Uh, to be on the show uh, to entertain you and me because I'm having fun doing this stuff uh, this year. This is the ninth season I've done the Chicago Bears review, the first that I've brought in other people aside from like my buddy Ryan Simmons who's 
uh, joined us on the show a time or two. Um, you know, I, I like having these these conversations with uh, with fans of other teams. You know, <laughs> with uh, you know Seth Kaiser and and uh, you know Danny Kelly from Seattle and you know Jess Root and and Tex Western who we're going to have back on the show uh, before Thanksgiving uh, to talk about the Packers again. You know, Jeremy Reisner, Reisman, Reisman. I'm going to get that guy's name right one of these days to have him back on the show. I mean, all good people, all gracious enough to join us and um you know to help help me entertain you and keep you coming back to the chicago bears review so thanks again to chris and, and every one of the sp nation writers uh who uh who come along uh and speak with us uh, and 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 give us their take on their on their bears you know the seahawks and the vikings and lions and chiefs and redskins and and so on and so forth so you know and i'm looking forward to doing this until i stop doing the show because this has just been too much fun meeting these different people and and building these connections uh with all these different writers across the country and you know who show a real passion for their team like we show for ours and you know especially since (laughs) it's like none of these guys are in the same market with their teams i think danny kelly is jess root is tex western is not uh seth kaiser lives in minnesota and he's the Chiefs guy. Uh, Jeremy Reisman is in L.A., you know, rooting for the Lions. Uh, obviously, Chris Gates is in Germany, um, you know, the Minnesota Viking fan. Matt Stanley, who we're going to have on the show next week to talk about the San Diego Chargers, is is near his team. Uh, he is in Denver, Colorado, uh, rooting for the Chargers. Uh, I don't know where Joe McAtee is. We're going to have him on that week that we play the uh, play the uh, Rams uh, in St. Louis in a couple of weeks. Lori Lattimore Volkman, who we had on during the summer, the Broncos fan, lives in South Carolina. So, I mean, these are fans that, uh, you know, did not switch allegiances because they live in different parts of the country from their team. That If anything, it makes them more passionate because they have to make the effort to watch their team play each and every week. And on top of that, to, you know, basically present themselves as experts, being bloggers and writers and podcasters uh, themselves, sharing their word for their team and, you know, getting it out to their fellow fans uh, as well. So it, it's nice to talk to people of similar mindsets when it comes to their favorite team uh, in the NFL. So... I just really love uh, doing this stuff, and I probably said it before, but I feel stupid uh, for waiting so long uh, to do this. So, But I am enjoying it. The feedback I'm getting back from you, you're enjoying it as well. Therefore, it's going to keep happening. So, But don't need any help with the review shows. I think I got plenty of steam for those, and I think you guys like me better on the review shows <laughs> anyway with knee-jerk reactions and just emotional reactions all together uh in the first place so i think uh i think we found our 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 niche we'll 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 coast like this bringing people in to to make the preview episodes a bit more exciting and uh leave it up to larry d on those review episodes because one way or the other you guys are going to feel me and, and where i'm coming from so that is going to do it for the week eight preview episode of the chicago bears review come back on monday when we will review this game between the bears and the vikings hopefully our beloved can make it eight in a row in soldier field against the vikings get ready for our one and only monday night trip against the san diego chargers next monday night looking forward to that one and see how it goes down like i said we'll have matt stanley on the show next week um from bolts from the blue on the sb nation site uh, for the Chargers, have him on the show for the week number nine uh, preview. But until then, we'll be getting ready for this game on on Sunday, taking on the Vikings, and we'll be back Monday to talk all about it. So until next time, my name is Larry D, and this has been the Chicago Bears Review. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. 
<sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my! Look at that! He is! And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win! Unbelievable! When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com.